Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's good. Isn't it good to worship Him? It's better to worship the Lord than to worship your problem. And the way that human beings typically operate is if we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. We might not do it like this, <laughs> you know, we might not uh, act in that fashion. However, people seem to have a tendency to place certain people, things, uh, activities uh, in a high place in their life. We all look up to and adore something. And the Lord knows that when you worship Him, you're not going to be worshiping something else. At least not at the same time. (laughs) So the more you worship Him, the more everything else comes in line. Right? And it's an amazing thing what can happen when uh, when God gets involved in your life. (laughs) And it's important to recognize, now this might sound strange, but it's important to recognize His absence. And when I say that, His absence in any particular area of life. I know that He does not leave us. You're not trying to get Him to come back to you. But uh, you might notice a deficit of God in some area of your life. And that's the area to begin to worship Him. Begin to magnify the Lord. Begin to exalt His name. Call Him what He is. Say about Him what He says about Himself. Amen. Amen. And when we do... I tell you what, things just start firing on all cylinders. They really do. We get God in the right place, and everything else has an opportunity to to fall into into their place. Amen. Let's take a moment and pray tonight, and uh, and then we'll see what the uh, which way we should go from here. I have some things to say, and I'd like to do them in the right order. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just acknowledge you once again tonight. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness toward all that you love us, not because necessarily we've been, been so right and so good in everything, but, but, but because of your mercy, you do. Because of your grace, you've extended your kindness and your love toward us. And Father, I thank you tonight that there is not one single person that escapes your love. You love them all. No matter what they have done or have not done, you still love them. And you knew that we would be together here tonight. And I believe that you have a plan and you have a purpose, something that you ordained, that you you decided you wanted to do in this meeting, in this gathering. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts to you and we say, have your way. Lord, say, say it, say it strong, say it loud. Lord, we, we hear, we listen to your voice. And Lord, we again place ourselves in position to receive. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. We're not demanding that you operate on our terms. Lord, we're not demanding that, that you do it our way. But Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And we say, Lord, have your way in us. And Lord, we know your way is good. And we know your way is kind. Lord, we know that you're gracious. And we know that we are on your mind. And so we receive of you. We receive of you tonight. Say it with me. Lord, I receive of you. 
May your plan, may your healing plan be established in my life tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to minister tonight to anyone and everyone who has physical problems that wants hands laid on them, and, uh, but we just sometimes follow the specific leading of the Lord, and, and, and uh, again, I see people heal both ways, more the other way, you know, because I've just, just, be, just by percentage, you know, I've ministered to, prayed for, laid hands on a lot more people that I didn't have a word of knowledge for than I did. And, uh, and seen tremendous healings just when people initiate. People ask and they say, uh, I want to be healed. And, uh, you know, Jesus had that in his ministry. So many people got healed when they came up to him. And they started yelling out as he's going by, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. You know, and they're trying to get his attention. So don't ever think, well, if the Lord wants to get to me, I guess he knows where I live and so he'll come find me. Well, that's silly. If you want something from him, you know where he's at too. Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's silly. It's, it's like sometimes people in church, they think, well, you know, if those people down at the church really care for me, they'll call and they'll, they'll you know, they'll do something for me if they really care. Well, that's stupid. I mean, I mean that in the nicest way. Uh, but you also know where they're at. You also know where the pastors are at. You know where leaders, you call them if you have a need. That shows respect. Come on now. People get sometimes too mindful of their own condition, and they're, they're disrespectful to others, whether it's friends or family or spiritual leaders. Uh, they don't respect others enough to, to seek their counsel or seek their, uh, their prayers or, or, or whatever it might be. Uh, but there's, there's something in going to someone um, that actually opens up your heart to receive through them. Hmm. And many times when we sit back and we're just, you know, I've, you know, we're just stewing or just thinking about our own problems and how bad it is, all we're mindful of is us and our heart is closed to receiving. Hmm. One of the keys, and this is not what I'm planning to talk about tonight, but one of the keys to receiving anything from the Lord is humility. Humility has to do with, I submit myself to, of course, the, the Lord, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, but not only that, I submit myself to a person that He wants to use, that God will move through. And when you submit yourself to a person, that doesn't look like this. You know, uh, Dewey, I'd like you to pray for me, but I want you to know that I know the Word, and I know exactly what the Bible says. And I, and, uh, and I want you just to do, I want you to do this. And then he starts praying, and I start praying over him. And it, you know what I'm, t- <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I've had people come to me at, in, in times past for help, and I go to try to help them by encouraging, instructing them to uh, believe a certain thing, act a certain thing, and they cut me off by telling me I know that. Yeah. They cut me off by praying over praying me, and then they come to me for prayer, and yet they're doing their own praying at the moment, and, and that's not humility. 
because there's someone's not open to direction, to change. Now, this might sound silly, and it is, but I'll use it for exaggeration's sake. If you go to someone and you say, you know what, I need to pray for my healing, and they tell you to hop on one foot and raise your hand, you know what you should do? <laughs> if you're capable of doing that. Why? I don't, maybe the Lord told them to tell you to do that. It's just a, what I mean by that, and, and, and I, know, I know that's silly, but Jesus did some pretty extreme things. Throughout the Bible, we have some pretty extreme things, and I'm not about to do anything extreme unless the Lord definitely told me to. But, you know, the, 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 the leper in the Old Testament, uh, Naaman, who was told to go wash seven times in the Jordan River. Well, that's silly, but it got him healed. And it was his humility and submission that got the victory for him. If he'd have said, no, that's stupid, I'm not going to do that, which he did at first, then he would have walked away without his healing. You know, Jesus uh, ministered to many people, and I bet, you know, it seems from the Scripture, the majority of it was pretty, quote, normal in the sense of laying hands on people, speaking to them. Uh, But there are some odd cases, too of spitting in the ground and making clay and stick it in their eyes and, 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 and some things of that nature. Go wash this off and, the, and, and you'll be healed. And there's some odd things like that too. Well, what if a person says, no, I'm not going to do that? Well, fine, you're, just keep your problem then. Right. Amen. And again, what I'm sharing with you in regards to this is there's a heart's attitude that says, I'm not going to, to demand that everything happen my preconceived way. Like, like again, in Naaman, you can read about this, but, uh, but Naaman's, Naaman said, I thought the prophet, I'm putting this in my own, I thought the prophet would wave his arm over me, wave his hand, and all the leprosy would go away. So he had this all played out in his mind how this was going to happen. And the Lord said, I'm not doing it that way. Right? Well, what do we, what do, we do when it doesn't happen the way we've already played it out in our minds? Don't get hard, get soft. Amen. Don't say, mm, you know, because it can be already that someone says, well, I don't, this is different than I thought. I don't really like this way. I don't like the fact those two people fell on the ground earlier. Well, so what? <laughs> you know what I mean by so what? How <laughs> I many you know to a lot of things in life you just have to say, so what? <laughs> you know, don't get hard because it's different or new or not your preference. Just be open. Not open to being flaky and weird, and, and, and maybe you think that is, but that's another subject for another time. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't want to do anything in my life to shut off the blessing of God. Amen. I want to invite. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, and we should be as smart as the old cow. Brother Hagin used to say, eat the hay and spit out the sticks. <laughs> and I'm absolutely giving those sticks tonight, but... <laughs> Just in case, what do you do? Throw out everything? I've heard of people before that went into a church service and something happened that was, they didn't like something that was said or it was a little bit different, and so they left. I mean, before church was over. I can, I mean, unless there's some devil worship going on, (laughs) you you know, something way extreme, I just think that's real childish. I think, that, I think that person, not to give credit to everything that happens, there's some strange things said and done in the name of the Lord that are not godly, 
But I think if a person just has that attitude and that heart, they're going to miss out on some really good things in life because God will never be able to change them in any way. Because the moment they hear something different or out of their custom, they shut it off. They harden their heart and therefore stay at the same level spiritually for decades. Well, we're having fun tonight. Yay. (laughs) This is a healing meeting, I think. (laughs) Praise God. I remember... Uh, I, I remember one time there was a there was a situation where um, the Lord gave me a word in a service at the beginning of a service. The service was just beginning, and I I began to prophesy about some things, and in the middle it was it was interesting because it was right at the beginning of a service, and it was kind of a some of it was a little bit of a warning for people to not get out of their place, but to stay in where God had them. And I thought, well, that was a good word. You know, it was interesting for me to start, almost start the service off with that word. And then something happened later in that service where someone took offense to what somebody else said to him. It wasn't even in the main part of the service. Something happened, and someone... I don't even remember the details, but someone took offense to something and left. <laughs> and, uh, and this individual, uh, the, someone else who was involved in whatever happened, um, talked to me about it later and said, do you have any suggestions? I said, yeah. Remind them of what the Lord said at the beginning of that service. You know, that was the gist of it, because the Lord warned that person ahead of time, because they were about to let the devil get them out of their place. And I said, tell them what, just, what, what already happened. They did, and, it, and the guy uh, responded and humbled himself and stayed where God wanted him to be. But it's interesting how the Lord will help us in, in, in these regards. Amen. And maybe the Lord's helping us now, because he knows what's going to happen. And he knows what's going to come tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month. I think if we stay in the right place and we stay engaged and involved with his kingdom, he'll let us know things. And we, won't, we don't have to be blindsided. We don't have to be blindsided by things that happen. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not t- saying I've never been surprised. God's never been surprised. I have. But I think if we're paying attention, we'll hear a lot of insights coming up. You know, and we'll be encouraged to strengthen our walk in a particular area. And then a few days later, we see, oh, yeah, I see why I should have been doing that. <laughs> I'd have been ready for this now. Amen. Let's go to our Bibles tonight and, uh, and look somewhere let's look at James chapter 4 James 4 and verse 7 it reads therefore submit to God that's kind of what we've shared with you a little bit already therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you notice these are contrary positions I want to submit to God and I want to resist the devil all right now that seems pretty simple but unfortunately many times people resist God and submit to the devil 
<laughs> it's absolutely the truth. <laughs> but we are to intentionally and purposefully. God won't. God is not going to uh, force us to submit. He's not going to put his hand on your head and push you to your knee. No, that's why the Bible says, submit to God. Because if you don't submit, there will be no submission to the Lord. You will have your own way in your life. And oftentimes when a person fails to submit to God, not what they have, even sometimes thinking it's their own way, it's not their own way, it's the devil's way. Because if I don't submit to God, I am not capable of resisting the devil. I have authority in Jesus' name when and only when I am in submission to the Lord. If I rebel against God, Satan will rebel against me. If every time the Lord says for me to go left, I turn right, well then I command Satan to do something and my life is out of order. Authority is messed up in this situation. You understand how this works. It's God on top. We submit ourselves to him. And the devil submits himself to us. So if you look at it vertically, God's, we submit to God. Satan submits to us. Jesus said, we've, or, uh, Ephesians said, we've been seated together with Christ in heavenly places. That's where the phrase comes from sometimes, how the devil is under our feet. All right. But only in, according to this scripture, when I'm submitted to God, that's the context of resist the devil. Someone said, I've been resisting, I've been speaking to the devil, commanding him to go, and he's not listening. Well, uh, just my advice would be, check your submission to the Lord. What do I mean by that? Are you doing what the Lord has dealt with you to do? Not in a qualification standpoint, like as if your, you, your obedience earns you authority, no, it just makes it work. And when things are in line between you and the Lord, it's so easy to boss the devil around. It's so easy to order the works of darkness around. But if I'm going to submit to God and resist the devil, I've really got to know what's of God and what's of the devil. Everybody with me? Because yeah. otherwise I might accident, accidentally resist God and submit to the devil. For example, if I thought that sickness and disease and, and injury and those type of things, if I thought they were of God, I would be likely to submit to them. I would be likely to say, well, Lord, have your way in me. In your wisdom and sovereignty, just work out your plan in me. What does that mean? I'm submitting. But what if God's not behind the sickness? What if Satan is, and I'm inadvertently submitting to Satan and resisting God? And the Lord's trying to get me well, and the devil's trying to take me to an early grave. But I'm not resisting and submitting to the right thing. And so, although this is simple... It's vital that we be very, very clear on what's from God and what's from the devil. And I think naturally we know some of this. We know sickness and disease is bad. You, you know that the first time it hurts. <laughs> this is bad. But you know the Bible backs you up. Scriptures back us up in, in this 
uh, theology and understanding that sickness is a work of the devil. Yeah, that's good news. Now I know what to resist. Let me show you a few scriptures along these lines. Uh, If you're quick, you can turn with me. Job, the book of Job, chapter 2. Some call it Job. Get a Job. Job chapter 2 and verse 7 says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Who did that? Satan struck Job. So we know for certain that boils... (laughs) And, uh, well, boils, (laughs) in this case, are of the the devil. Satan struck Job. Did God strike Job? No. Satan struck Job. Look at Psalm 41. Psalm, just the next book to the right. Psalm 41. And verse, verse number 8, 41, 8. An evil disease, they say, clings to him. And now that he lies down, he will rise up no more. What kind of disease? Evil, evil disease. I'm not finding any scriptures that say the good and pleasant disease or the godly disease disease the heavenly flu (laughs) right we don't find scriptures that define sickness and disease as being good godly desirable but evil yes and that word evil actually means a thing of belial what do we mean it is of the devil sickness And disease is of the devil. Look at Luke 13. Luke chapter 13. And verse 16. We're jumping in the middle of this story. About this woman who had this spirit of infirmity. She was bent over. It says, verse 16, So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Who? This is the words of Jesus. He said, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. It's very, very interesting how how Jesus didn't define this this woman because we don't always get all the background commentary he didn't always say this but in this case we see that he gave us inside information about those who were he was ministering to he said this woman has been bound by Satan now you don't even have to know a lot of the scriptures concerning healing and, and it helps to know but you don't have to know a lot of them But if you can see this point real clearly, that 
Satan is the one who binds people. Satan is the one who administers and delivers sickness and disease to people. Jesus went in there in his ministry to get what Satan was doing off of people, to get his work removed from them. But very clear, Jesus knew exactly what he's dealing with. He didn't say, now, shouldn't this woman being a daughter of Abraham be healed of this thing? I mean, I'm not sure if God the Father did this or the devil did this, or maybe it was just in her DNA. I don't know. But but we're going to get her healed. No, no, no. He said, this is Satan's work. Amen. We should be able to identify when we see people who are sick or we see it in our own selves, that's Satan's work. You don't have to be weird and go down the street, you know, talking about Satan. (laughs) We don't magnify his name. We uh, We don't glorify and give him credit. But we recognize what's of him. Why? Because if I'm not clear about that, I could be submitting and resisting the wrong things. It doesn't mean that if you're sick, that that you're, uh, you know, Satan possessed. Everybody listen. That doesn't mean mean you got a hitchhiker per se, uh, you know, or you're you're demon possessed and you need a a, a session. (laughs) A deliverance or something of that. No, just identify the source and the author of sickness and disease. It's Satan, not the Lord who loves us. And so he said they ought to be loosed on the uh, she ought to be loosed on the Sabbath. You know, it's always interesting whenever the Pharisees would uh, have trouble and struggle with Jesus, that uh, you know they always got mad about him healing people on the Sabbath day. Isn't that about what religion will do? Man, and I use religion in a negative sense in this context. Religion, man, it will keep people from victory, keep people from being healed, keep people from getting their answer because we've got our way and this is not inside of our way. It's all about we don't accept these methods. But you wonder, because it's so hypocritical, what day were they having healing meetings? You know, the Pharisees were saying, you can't heal him on the, or heal this woman on the Sabbath day. What? Should we come back tomorrow? You got, you got a meeting going on tomorrow? Can you get her set free tomorrow? You know what the answer to that is? No, no, and no. There aren't going to be any other meetings. So when people oftentimes are criticizing someone's methods, I want to see what kind of results are you getting. If you don't like the way or the time or the method that one person uses, show results in a different method. At least give some credibility. But in this case, they had zero credibility at all as they tried to criticize the Lord. Amen? And so, um, amen. How many know if someone destroyed something you created, you wouldn't feel too happy about that? And that's what Satan's doing to the human race. Trying to destroy God's creation. We belong to Him by right of creation and by right of repurchase. Through the blood of Jesus. Look at John 10. John chapter 10. You see, the realm in which we live, meaning the physical realm, we actually live in two realms, the spirit world and in the physical world at the same time. 
I am a spirit. I'm, I connect and contact God with my spirit, but I live in a physical body, and so I live in this physical world. Satan can't touch me spiritually. He can't take my relationship with God. He can't, he can't attack my spirit. You know, he can't, he, he can't take something spiritually away from me, but he can attack my body. And that's the realm in which he works. He can attack people's stuff. Now, not just with absolute authority, otherwise we'd all be wiped out, <laughs> right? But he's looking for opportunities. And if we don't resist, then he's given place. If I am not actively submitting my life to the Word of God, to what the Spirit of the Lord says, to those placed in authority in my life, if I'm not actively submitting there and actively resisting the devil, then the devil is going to take advantage of me. He's going he's to mess up my home, mess up my finances, mess up my physical body. I've got to learn how to do this. And so I recognize what's him. Let's not be deceived. Doesn't the Scripture say that? Don't be deceived about this. What does that mean? Good chance we could be deceived. <laughs> you don't tell someone don't be deceived if there's no opportunity for them to be deceived. And so there's chance. You and I could be deceived, but don't be. Let's recognize his strategies, his tactics against us. Did I tell you John 10? Yes. Well, this is a good one. John 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What does the thief come, the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. What's happening when a person's body is ravaged, ravaged with sickness and disease? It's not getting better. <laughs> it's not, it's, that's not a definition of life. Okay, it's being robbed. It's being destroyed. All right, life is being taken from it. Who does that? The thief. And that's one of the names of the devil. He is the thief. All right. Uh, let me give you this one. You don't need to turn there. Luke 9, 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So Jesus isn't coming to destroy. So we can see a clear contrast here in the work of God and the work of the devil again. Jesus came to save the thief came to destroy yeah if our lives are being destroyed in any way we know exactly who it is we know exactly who it is now he'll try to hide behind a bush he'll you know i, I remember when when i was a when i was real young and uh i was influenced you know by some older kids and uh <laughs> and it was it was near halloween in uh we were we lived in Southern California, and really it was a bunch of older kids. I say that to pass the buck, but it was. <laughs> but I, there was this neighbor just behind our house, and and all these guys said, "Let's go put smoke bombs by the door," <laughs> and uh, and so they did, <laughs> and uh, put a bunch of smoke bombs, lit them by the door, and rung the doorbell, and that was mean and cruel, and and but as soon as they did that, they ran. <laughs> Why? So that the person comes and there's smoke coming into their house and, and it's real funny, but they don't see anybody. They don't know who did it. And then later when they came out and, and they said, hey, have you, we were out, you guys seen someone? They did this? No. <laughs> and uh, 
Anyway, that's not recommended behavior. But, uh, but that's the way the devil operates, right? He'll come in and try to mess up your life, mess up your health, and duck behind a bush. And so you all of a sudden you wake up and you're in pain. You've got all these problems. You're looking around. This must be God because he's God. No, it's the devil. <laughs> Let's know where things come from. Don't, bl- don't blame the wrong person. Don't, bra- don't blame the one who loved the world and sent his only son to die in our place. Don't blame the one who gave his very best for you. Look at 1 John 3. 1 John, not John, 1 John. 1 John 3 and verse 8. 1 John 3, 8 reads, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He might do what? Destroy the works. Jesus came into the earth. He was manifest and became a man so that he could destroy the works of the devil. The devil wants to destroy God's creation. Jesus came to destroy the destruction. The destroyer. All right. That word destroy, if you'll look it up in the Greek, means to undo. Undo. Literally, what did Jesus come to do? Well, he came to undo the works of the devil. And you can see that in his earthly ministry, that as soon as Jesus showed up in his, in his ministry, he's going around untying knots. He's going around undoing the bad stuff. He's loosing those who are afflicted. He's bringing sight to the blind. He's bringing recovery to many people. What Satan has done in people's bodies, he came to undo those things. But how many know what he was doing while he was walking around was only the beginning? Because, you know, he was limited in how much he could do in a 24-hour period and any place he could go. Then he went to the cross, and he undid it all. He didn't he? he? He went to the cross and he took our place and he took all the curse and disease and he come busting out of that tomb on the third day and it was undone. Amen. Right? Satan's work, which goes back to the Garden of Eden, it was all reversed in that moment. And uh, destruction was taken care of. And so, uh, you know, in finishing here tonight, we're going to minister. Colossians 2.15 reads, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And so, the way that we are to operate today is Jesus wants us to do what he would do if we were here. Uh, if he, did I say that right? <laughs> Jesus wants us to do what he would do if he were here. And just like he went, well, he did it in his earthly ministry, then went to the cross to make it available now for all. So what do we do? We go around untying knots, loosing the bonds of affliction. How do we do that? We do it by faith. What do we mean by that? We submit 
to God and we resist the devil. How, how, what, what do I mean? How, how do I do that? I see in God's word that he loves me. That he brings healing and life. I'm submitting to that. How do I submit to that? It's really almost in one same motion. Lord, have your way. Satan, take your hand off my body. Cancer, you leave me in Jesus' name. Pain, you go from my body today in Jesus' name. That is an act of resisting the devil and submitting to God. If I just am passive and I sit around and hope it gets better, that's not resisting and that's not submitting. To God, I mean, you know what I mean. It's, it's the opposite. To do nothing is to give place. If I'm ever inspired by some teaching that comes in the name of the Lord, if I'm inspired to take no action against the problems that I have, that message is not from God. I'm talking against satanic attacks. If I'm challenged to just sit it out and do nothing... That's not God. No. Resist. That's the scriptural mandate. Amen. Why does God heal some, but he doesn't heal others? Well, first of all, he healed everybody in Jesus. But secondly, some people resist and some people don't. All that says, it's not really about God. This is a, this is a strong statement, but your healing is not up to God. And that's a new concept to some. Well, I'm just thinking of wondering if the Lord will do it. Well, He already did it. And today, whether I, whether I receive or not, it is not up to God. He's not making a choice tonight. Heal one, not heal one, heal one, heal not heal one. No, but He has chosen to love us all. And because of that, He has instructed us to say, resist now this work of the devil. And when you resist it, you know who it'll run from? It'll flee from you. He will flee from you, the devil, and all his works. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And so, so tonight, let's act on the word. Let's be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? And, and of this, this word, of course, will apply to other areas of life as well. All the works of the devil, which we, don't, we haven't defined all those, but all the works of the devil should be resisted by the believer in Jesus' name. But specifically tonight, we want to we wanna stand with and minister. Again, to all those who are ha having physical trouble, how do we submit to God? By taking anything that He has said and doing it. That's submission. We commonly take uh, Mark 16, verse 18, and we submit to that in this service. The last part of that verse says... They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. All right? They shall recover. And so, how do I submit to God? I do what that says. I lay hands on the sick, and then they recover. That's my act of submitting to God and resisting the devil. Amen? So, we simply want to cooperate with the Lord. Amen? We want to cooperate with Him. And, uh, and, and, and get this thing done. So praise God. All those who...